everyone. Today I'm super excited about this interview that I did with Casey Huditz. Uh, somebody I've known for a while. He's a great guy. Uh, he describes himself as a husband, father, experienced designer, speaker, teacher, and filmmaking hobbyist. Uh, he's working on a lot of cool things and sort of UX research, including some things around the AI space, conversational intelligence, and so forth. Uh, feel free to check out his website at caseyhudetz.com. Um, but anyway, so th this video and this interview is kind of super cool because I didn't really expect it. Basically, Casey and I get in touch from time to time and catch up on things. And, you know, Casey reached out to me and said, hey, Alex, you know, are you available? Let's jump on a call. Uh, I'm working on some things and maybe we could chat about it. And I get on the call and didn't really expect an interview or anything like that. But, you know, Casey said, hey, do you mind if I just record something for something that he's working on, which will be coming out later? And then what preceded was the interview that you're going to see here, which, um, you know, I had a great time doing. It's always great talking with Casey, but also just such a cool, unexpected sort of concept and topic around AI and sort of how Casey uh, sort of related it to something else. I won't give away the spoiler, but stick around and I hope you enjoy the interview. All right, great. Uh, so thank you. Um, Alex, could you say your full name just so I get your last name? I never pronounce it right. Sure, Alex Kistrinus. Thank you for taking the time. I know that um, you got a lot going on, so I won't take too much of your no time. No worries. I gave you kind of a, a high level of what this is, but if it's okay, and again, this is the weird part, if it's okay, I'm just going to read the book to you so you have a sense of it. It's very short, and then it'll help with the discussion, okay? Sounds good. <laughs> all right. So the book is called, I Want My Hat Back, all right? So here we go. It's probably my favorite. Uh, it says, my hat is gone, I want it back. Um, have you seen my hats? No, I haven't seen your hat. Okay, thank you anyway. Have you seen my hats? No, I haven't seen any hats around here. Okay, thank you anyway. Have you seen my hats? Uh, no, why are you asking me? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any hats anywhere. I would not steal a hat. Don't ask me any more questions. Okay, thank you anyway. Have you seen my hat? I haven't seen anything all day. I've been trying to climb this rock. Would you like me to lift you on top of it? Yes, please. Have you seen my hat? I saw a hat once. It was blue and round. My hat doesn't look like that. Thank you anyway. Have you seen my hat? What is a hat? Thank you anyway. Nobody has seen my hat. What if I never see it again? What if nobody ever finds it? My poor hat. I miss it so much. Oh. <laughs> What's the matter? I've lost my hat and nobody has seen it. Well, what does your hat look like? It's red and pointy and I have seen my hat. <laughs> so then he, here he is running back to the rabbit. You, you stole my hat. So now we have this kind of showdown. I love my hat. Okay. So now, excuse me, have you seen a rabbit wearing a hat? No, why are you asking me? I haven't seen him. I haven't seen any rabbits anywhere. I would not eat a rabbit. 
Don't ask me any more questions. Okay, thank you anyway. So, you, you get the ending, obviously. <laughs> the, the bear eats the rabbit, right? Pretty straight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's what I've been, I've been reading it to my son. And like I said, I've been filming him. And every time he's like, I don't know, or he just, he's like, the rabbit goes away. Like he, he part of his brain hasn't connected that yet. He doesn't have the deduction or causal inference or whatever you might call it exactly. So mm. as I was doing this, though, like I mentioned, I started wondering how would, could AI, machine learning, computer vision, a natural language understanding, in its current form, could it deduce, could it understand what happened to the rabbit, if you were to ask it that question? And so I'll start with that question. Currently, in, in machine learning and AI space, could it currently understand that ending? This is a great question. I, I, I really love it, actually. I'm glad we're talking about this. And it's, it's the timing is interesting because um, I don't know if you know that I started a YouTube channel yeah. uh, not too long ago. I've been making videos, kind awesome. of, you know, creating, I create a lot of different content, but, you know, I'm trying to help people improve their data literacy and keep up to date on all these different things. And coincidentally, the last video I made was on something very similar to this exact topic, which oh. is, which is sort of like all about um, what's the current state of the art of AI? What can AI really do? How human-like is it? Can it uh, express common sense? Can can AI problem solve like humans can? Can it exhibit logical reasoning like humans can? Can it put two and two together, deduce things? Like you say, ca causal inference, all this exact thing is exactly what my last wow. video was on. So, a super uh, coincidence, I had no idea this was coming, but uh, it's good timing. So, what's interesting is, um, it, it, and we could talk about this for probably a lot longer than we have today, but I'll just say that, um, so the way people currently measure state-of-the-art in terms of where AI is today in all those areas, um, typically are what's called benchmarks and baselines. I don't know if you've ever heard of those. I have, but not necessarily in AI. So if you could. Sure. That, yeah. So benchmarks are basically think of benchmarks as like a test, right? Like, so for graduate school, you have the GRE. And then when you're in high school, going to college, I think, you know, back in the day, at least I think they're getting rid of it now, but you have the SATs, the ACTs, things like that. So you have these kind of like standardized tests and those are the benchmark tests. And then the baselines you can think of as like the best performers on that, on the test. So in the case of AI, there's different benchmarks for different kinds of tasks that you would want AI to do or like benchmarks or tests. Think of the term benchmark and test interchangeably. So in the case of natural language type applications, like natural language processing and things, things that we tend to associate more with the kind of things you're asking about, which is, you know, parsing language like in a book, reading a story and trying to deduce things and all that. Um, you know, how do you measure that? What are the current benchmarks? So the, the biggest sort of most sophisticated ones up until recently are, and still are though, are, are called glue and super glue. G-L-U-E? Um, G-L-U-E. G-L-U-E. Okay. Like Elmer's, yep. And it's super glue. Um, 
and uh, and and GLUE actually is an acronym. It stands for something. But um, in either case, this kind of benchmark test for question answering. So you ask like, could an AI answer a question like, what happened to the rabbit, or, or what happened to the hat, or whatever? Um, so coincidentally, that that's kind of the benchmark, right? And there's like there's a lot of different tests. It's not just one. It's a whole suite of tests. And then you take all these AI models that are trained out there, and you see which models perform best on that benchmark, and do they do well, and can they do at least as well as a human would if the human was taking the same test uh, or better? In which case, we would call that superhuman performance.、Um, recently, and I mean very recently, like weeks ago, which is why I did this latest YouTube video. Is、uh, a team of researchers from like very significant AI research universities、um, published a new paper on a new benchmark that they're proposing called like measuring multitask language understanding. I think if, if I remember the name of the benchmark offhand, and it's supposed to be their whole point of making it was that they felt like、uh, the existing benchmarks like glue and super glue. Don't really measure things in the way that humans actually learn in real life,、uh, both in terms of what they learn, but also in terms of、um, the order in which they learn them. And so they created this new benchmark, and then went back and tested all the the baseline models, so the best performing models on these previously sort of state of the art benchmarks, to see how they would do on this new benchmark, which they. They measure across 57 different kinds of categories and areas of what they call world knowledge. They test for common sense stuff, problem solving, like sort of logic reasoning. There's mathematic. There's questions in mathematics, in philosophy, in like、um, sciences,、uh, humanities, history. Like you name it, they, it covers all these topics. And then they found that most of the the best performing models that even exceeded like. Achieve superhuman performance on these previous benchmarks did barely better、mm. than random guessing on this new benchmark.、Mm. So, long story short, or short story long,、um, that's a good question because that's a very active area of research right now in AI. It's like, really, where is AI at? Can it can it answer the question you just said? Well. If you look at even the best performing baselines or models that that they found on their own new benchmark, that's so much more sophisticated, so much more challenging, meant to evaluate how humans really learn in terms of the amount of breadth of knowledge, but also in terms of the way they learn and the order they learn. It actually showed that most AI models today aren't very good.、Um, they're not at human level. So even though we were already human level or superhuman level on these other ones. What this new thing shows is these other ones were way sort of less challenging and, and way less apropos.、Um, so mo- even with the new one and the way they talk about their methodology and how they include all these subjects and everything, it still is trained on. They basically trained it on、uh, you know tons of multiple choice questions. I think that the main training was multiple choice questions, and so. Think of if you have thousands of multiple choice questions across, again, STEM fields, humanities, all this, and then these AI models sort of learn how to map between like certain topics and certain fields to certain sort of answers.
or solutions or like whatever, maybe yeah. it can kind of learn sort of problem solving and deducing just by understanding relationships between areas and solutions in different fields. Yeah. Whether it could do that for like taking a children's book and understanding the concept of like a bear and like where what things bears like to eat and when they eat them and does it relate to a hat? Who knows unless you added that to some sort of training thing and, and had a benchmark to test it and so on. It's probably the best answer that I know of to give for this thing. And my guess is probably it's interesting because it turns out anyway, AI is way less in, in so many ways, even children, the way they learn, they learn so much more than even the best AI algorithms so much sooner because of their ability to sort of do what they call unsupervised learning and learn from the world around them almost like naturally. Um, you know, like, Throwing in that concept of a hat is is interesting because a kid might get that, but that could really throw off an AI algorithm, right? Because that's not a normal thing in nature. Like bears don't go around in nature talking to everybody and having yeah. hats and like asking questions and like, you know, checking the, the neighborhood in the forest and stuff. You know, this introduces sort of like all these things that like, models that were trained on all of Wikipedia, for example, and all like a whole huge amount of books, which is what the best, today's best natural language models are trained on, in fact, wouldn't probably come across for the most part, information that helps it learn how hats are related to bears and so on. Yeah. So it has to wade through all that other stuff. You know, it's, I don't know, it's a great question. It's, it's a really interesting question. I, I'm, the answer is i'm not sure I, i doubt it would be very good at that kind of thing because yet for sure so a few things that th this is awesome i'm glad you find it to be an interesting and not super boring question but no i think it's really interesting so a few years ago i saw that facebook was doing ai research around children's books but the reason they were doing it is they just took all the text they put it into these natural language understanding with the express goal of teaching it basic language so that it could more accurately predict the next word in a sentence. So just by, so nothing to do with imagery. The only other like children's book research I could find it was just around um, how are they written? It's just based on the words, right? So that doesn't really give us anything in this. If, if I could show you something too, oh, I can't share my screen. Um, would you let me share my screen? Is that possible? Just to show you something really quick. That I think yeah. find interesting. All right, cool. Go for it. So something that I was doing as well was, can you see? Oops. Can you see on my screen right now? Yes. Uh, okay. So I, I took some random pages from the book and I started putting it into the different computer vision models that I could find just the open API. So this is Microsoft Azure and their model, and I just uh -huh. started seeing what it would do and. They gave us the confidence that, okay, it's an animal, but then maybe it's a bird. Like they, they, they can't even identify in this case that it's a bear. And nowhere in the book does it say it's a bear, but I think a child uh, right away would be able to identify it, right? Then yeah. it had all these, all these other tags. Um, uh, AWS, they had uh, apparel, clothing, animal, mammal. Like they, they, their confidence too was, was high on things that weren't true, <laughs> weren't real. 
Um, mm -hmm. This was Google Cloud. They said, okay, these are, we know these are animals, um, and we know this is an insect, which there isn't one there. So already, like, even just to get to the point of them, them uh, a machine visually understanding it, I couldn't find anything that got close. If you do like a reverse image search with this in Google, it'll find the exact image, but that's because it's trained on the, 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 the fronts of, like the covers for all the books, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one way I went. But when I went in here, it could identify all the text. That was easy. It could pull all right. the text out easy, easily, make it, they all got that 100%. So that was that was no problem. So even there, just just seeing, seeing, a computer a computer's ability to see was already deficient whereas if i just scribble something my son can tell it's a cat whereas this wouldn't you know so there's already this when you talk about like a child's ability to understand the view versus the machines like I, i'm just amazed how advanced my three-year-old son seems in his ability to understand that these three things make a tiger whereas uh, google's uh, uh vision ai would not be so I just I want to get your thoughts on that too because there's a matter of not only understanding the words and maybe the predictability of what's next, but also putting the two side by side. Um, I, I don't know if that sparks anything or if you got any ideas there. Oh yeah, um, yeah, lots of things. I mean, absolutely. So, oh, I lost you. Oh, there you hear me. Yep, you're back. Okay. My guess is if you took a picture of an actual bear and did the same thing, it would probably be way more confident that it found a bear. So that's that's number one. I think I think the biggest thing is like most of those computer vision and like object recognition, object detection type algorithms. Have you ever heard of ImageNet? Yeah, I was just going to say that's got to be one yeah. of the biggest benchmarks, right? Is ImageNet? Well, ImageNet's more like a database uh, of images that you, it's like huge. It's compiled, uh, like Fei-Fei Li was a big part, of, I'm yeah. pretty sure, of, you know, compiling ImageNet and like all these other people. And then it's just this massive, you know, database of images that you can pre-train um, certain kinds of models like recognition and, and object detection models and so on. Um, and, you know, the thing about, the thing about art, um, you know, like in illustrations and kids books and stuff, it's like you could draw animals a million different ways, right? You can draw them abstract. They could be stick figurey. They could be, you know, they, but they, whether or not the algorithm, if, if certain models have been trained primarily on pictures of real animals, they may very well struggle mm. to sort of abstract away to like this more. And that's actually, again, very coincident, you know, interestingly that you bring this up is that um, that's a big limitation for AI systems today is that versus children, children, you know, when they're super little biddle, so to speak, you know, could see a stick figure drawing of a cat, like with little ears and like, it says meow. And then the first time they see a real cat in real life, they could point to it and go cat, you know, like they can somehow see that that thing is similar to what they learned was a stick figure drawing with like a pencil of a cat. Yeah. in real life and they just like seamlessly e extrapolate to that right like so why is that right well part of it is it's not entirely understood because the you know the whole field of neuroscience it's all about trying to figure out how the human brain really works and how information is stored and retrieved and all this stuff 
But the one, the one big thing that is fairly well known is that the human ba- brain is significantly more complicated than a lot of these AI models. In the sense that, you know, like, I forget the exact numbers, but the estimates are there's something like 100 billion neurons in, in the average human brain. And then there's something like 100 to 500 trillion synapses, which are the gaps between neurons in the neural network within your brain that that like information is passed across as you know, the neurons are passing information across. And it's in these synapses that information is like thought to be stored and recalled from, right? It sort of gets like locked in there. So you have 100 to 500 trillion synapses in your brain. And it turns out that's enough sort of storage, if you will, for all the information that a human learns over their entire lifetime from birth to the end, right? Whereas when you look at AI models, like in deep learning, neural networks, all that, you know, and in natural language processing, like BERT and GPT-3 and some of these like leaders nowadays, um, you know, these, they're increasing in their complexity, meaning they're having more and more sort of parameters. And now you're getting into the billions and billions of parameters and the reason being is they're in some ways trying to get closer to like the complexity of the human brain and this complexity seems to allow children to develop intelligence way faster and earlier in their life with so much less um sort of labeled or supervised information right Mm -hmm on their own they they can kind of like just look observe the world around them do a little trial and error try different things and then like keep learning on their own and figure things out even if their parent or school or someone didn't say you know glasses um and like label that that's glasses they kind of just figure stuff out um so yeah did that answer your question yeah absolutely Uh, I i think that you're seeing those limitations with your experiments. Yeah, and the, 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 the trans, I think you touched on something too about the transferability of like a mental model of how, right. of how you give a great example of like I've drawn, I've sketched out something and, and Henry, my son, can immediately transfer to like, oh, that's a house. And then we walk down the street, he's like, there's a house. But he's never seen that house before, but from just five lines, he can connect them. Like for him, this is a tiger, but if I were to put that through any of the, the computer vision or object detection, it would have no idea. But for him, this is clear, this is a tiger, right? Yeah. yeah. Artwork that he's done. So yeah. I think um, what you're saying about the, the trend, have you ever seen the Google um, Google experiment where they have the draw, the drawing, Google draw, where you, it'll say like, um, draw a cat, and it tells you, and then it, it's, at the same time, the computer is guessing what it is. Like, there's another part of it that doesn't know what you're about to draw, and then it can tell in, like, three lines that you're drawing a cat because it's trained on all the other people that have sketched before, you know? Ah, uh, yeah. But, like, you're saying, like, it's not that that sketch is the same if I go to Google Images and look for a cat. Like, they're, they're two different data, um, data sets. To go it could be. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, exactly. I haven't seen the tool you're talking about, but that makes sense. My guess would be, you know, without being 100% familiar with that tool, my guess would be exactly that. Like one was trained on ImageNet or something, something where it's mostly, you know, real world images, whereas maybe this other tool is specifically trained on 
to try and recognize art or sketches or drawings or something, in which case, you know, that can make sense. Now, that being said, um, on the other hand, you know, um, are you familiar with the idea of hierarchical learning and features? I studied cognitive psych. And so it sounds familiar from 15 years ago. <laughs> well, in, in deep learning or like neural networks specifically, in just that all it means is like, and you've probably seen this before, um, but like the way a lot of computer vision and sort of pattern or image recognition um, algorithms learn from images uh, through deep learning neural networks is that they discover features in an increasing level of complexity and hier hierarchically meaning that like let's say they're look you know it's a facial recognition uh algorithm trying to learn how to recognize faces you know it's going to first learn like how to recognize like lines like horizontal lines vertical lines diagonal lines then curved features then circles then ovals then squares then certain patterns then eyes, then it starts building up into bigger features like eyes, is, eye, <laughs> eyes, is, eyes, nose, mouth, ears, mm -hmm. and then it gets the head and then it's like hair and then it's like the whole head. And now you have a face. Um, that's what what's meant by hierarchical sort of representation and hierarchical feature learning. Mm -hmm. um, so those, uh, it, it's interesting the idea that even the algorithm, the models that were trained on real images, not just sketches or drawings, still learn how to identify those much more granular, sort of less specific, less comprehensive or aggregated features as just like elements of bigger things. Mm -hmm. So it could be that it, it, you, you can use, and a lot of times you do because you, you mentioned the word transfer earlier, that whole field of transfer learning, where you take learning that was done on one thing and you kind of transfer it to another domain or something else and then fine tune mm -hmm. on that. Um, th that, that. That certainly makes sense that you could uh, still be able to determine things just from um, sort of lower hierarchical features as well. I'm gonna ask you one more question and then this has been so awesome. <laughs> it's already got me, now I'm thinking about how else to pursue this. So I've never done a documentary like this. I've done other short ones, but I've never tried almost like an investigative one. So this is this is really fun for me. Um, GPT-3 is something else I've been reading a lot about and uh, Microsoft just acquired it, that they're thinking about putting it into chatbots or whatever it might be to be even more human-like. Um, th that gets at something that my understanding of AI is, and there's a book that I read, it's called Prediction Machines, where AI is oh, really yeah. good at just looking at a ton of stuff and then making a best guess of what's going to come next, for ill or, you know, for good or bad, based on the outcomes we've seen. Um, GPT-2, I was able to put all of the copy in from this book just to see and it didn't conclude that the rabbit had been eaten. <laughs> like it didn't get to that point. But do you think that GPT-3, do you think there's any possibility that that is gonna open up a new ability to make sense of it? Uh, what am I trying to ask? I'm sorry, I wrote this down earlier. Maybe it's now we've touched on it, it's a new point. Uh, let me just ask one final question. I'm sorry, I'm going off here. 
Well, I I have an answer to your question, even okay, if you finish it, because yeah. I think I get what you're, you were getting at. And, and and actually, it was the exact thing that we were talking about earlier. So the 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 answer would be the same yeah. in that GBT is three is like one of the most sophisticated models out there by far. And in fact, it is like the de facto. Remember when I was talking about benchmarks and baselines? Yeah. Baseline. But again, that new paper that just came out about that new benchmark called measuring multitask language understanding or whatever, massive multitask language understanding. Uh, that GPT-3 actually didn't perform so well on that benchmark at all. So that's what one of the most interesting things about that paper and that benchmark show is that even the best thing we have today, which is GPT-3, right? Uh, or, or variants or whatever, suddenly with a new test that's much closer to how humans learn and how humans are evaluated, suddenly performs very subhuman actually mm -hmm. so again um when if i interpreted what i think you were sort of asking is can gpt3 sort of get there can it figure it out you know whatever I, the answer is as of right now the this benchmark and this paper show that it's not there and and that it may never get there and and therefore what it suggests is that either and and this is actually a conclusion they make in the paper is that to get there either you have to create even more complex models way more complex than gpt3 which has like some crazy billions. tens of billions or 100 yeah. billion parameters or whatever it is or you know you need a trillion parameters now like how do you get to that thing but to to train that model could could cost 10 million dollars or something by the way um and so uh, how do you get to that model? Or, or it, it could suggest that maybe the, the models today, the approach, everything, isn't gonna get there ever. Like there are limitations and therefore we need to discover entirely new approaches to this, like AGI, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that are on the path of techniques like GPT-3, right? So that that's interesting you know are we at a dead end are we or do we need to just get create these in, insanely more complicated larger models or both one final question so i, I read you the, the silly book showed you the ending i've shown you some of my thinking around even computer vision and clearly you've got a better understanding of all this if you had to take a guess in your professional opinion when when do you think this could be scanned into a a computer put into some sort of model and at the ending you could ask it what happened to the rabbit and it would know if you were to ballpark it in terms of how long that would take how far away we are oh man i don't know <laughs> I, honestly I, I don't think i know the answer to that question okay um I mean, I don't know, you know, because again, the, the answer depends on like maybe it could happen today if, if you try to train one of those models on it. And I don't know, I'm not, you know, those some of those things are relatively new and, and you know, a lot of the ways 
these models are evaluated again are with these benchmarks like glue and super glue and like this new massive multi which is brand new i mean the paper just came out literally a couple of weeks ago i think um and and i'm not sure that they test for the kind of exact thing uh but you know there's so many different questions so many different types of tasks that uh it's hard for me to say like i'm not sure honestly could be if you have a big breakthrough it could or somehow we can train such a big model maybe even today something like that could fall into place i don't know there's probably people that are a lot you know better sort of suited to, to know for sure like get give you a better estimate of time on that could i submit a new benchmark to the ai community <laughs> and say this is like the turing test of how do you how can you get a can this be that my new children's book Turing test that I'm pitching? Who can develop a model that can understand the end of this book? Well, it's it, it's super interesting concept because you know I love I love the idea. I, it, people, I haven't come across that exact concept of like how do we create benchmarks that can test for like even childlike clarity or sort of the way. You know, and again, maybe maybe a model today like GPT three could actually answer that question. I don't know the answer to that. It's possible it could. I don't know. Um, like feed it the book and say what happens to the thing. Maybe it could. Um, but but what's but again, what's super funny is that you know the this new benchmark that I was talking about. They're actually not testing for that at all that I know of. They're testing more for like undergraduate like level like elementary level subject matter then like college level undergraduate then graduate level and then professional expert level so they're actually trying to test for like knowledge across domains so like overall breadth of knowledge and then also um at varying levels to try and show like a progression of of understanding like humans do and sort of like a, a level of understanding and again that would be so much further ahead than where this book is but one of the interesting conclusions from that paper I'm, I'm talking about is that gbt3 i think it was actually didn't like did well at super some super advanced topics or something but did very poorly at elementary level topics in yeah. certain areas like literally elementary, right? Like third grade, fifth grade, I don't know, but like, so that's super interesting because younger and lower levels of uh, earlier in education, subject matter that you learn doesn't necessarily make it easier to solve for AI. Mm -hmm. And in this case, this paper showed the opposite, that it was harder and that the, the more, some, in certain areas, more technical stuff was easier. So <laughs> that's why it's hard for me to say, because I mean, this is such an active area of research right now today. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, all those answers are very specific to what benchmarks, what tests, which models, what was the training done on, how pre-trained was it, all these things, it's, it's complicated. I can't thank you enough for your time. This is so cool and I don't know when he's You're welcome. ending, so I don't know how this thing's going to come together. But now I have this interview, and it actually has brought up a whole bunch of other ideas of where I can 
go with it. So thank you so much. You're so generous with your time here. Um, My pleasure, Casey. Hopefully it was fun for you to think through too, what was possible or not. No, absolutely. This is great. It is a very timely uh, conversation.